8.47, science and tech now. Mark Zastro, science journalist here in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. And we're going to be talking about how gangs are now flying drone swarms to defend against police raids and whether banning certain types of sunscreen could actually save Hawaii's coral reef. I mean, Hawaii has been in headlines uh, of late with volcanic eruptions, but uh, the coral Mm -hmm. reefs uh, are also in need of protection. But we begin, don't we, with uh, science helping build ties between the careers, apparently. That's right. Uh, as the diplomatic relations have really you know, thawed in the past few weeks, many scientists here in South Korea and around the world are really hoping that in the future, this means they might be able to do more work with North Korean scientists. Now, of course, usually when we think about North Korean science, we often think about nuclear scientists, rocket scientists. But actually, there are hundreds of academic papers being published every year by North Korean researchers, uh, including in collaboration with international colleagues. And these are on, you know, really pure basic research topics, anywhere from cosmology to fish genomes. And these ties are usually created when North Koreans' uh, graduate students or postdocs go abroad to study or work. So they, they forge these working relationships with other researchers. They, they forge relationships, but they're not forging papers. I mean, th- these are legitimate, <laughs> right? That's right. They are peer-reviewed papers that you can find them in bibliographic analyses and, and some in very, very good journals, uh, in fact. So, of course, you know, when they go back to North Korea, it's a lot harder for them to maintain these collaborations because, you know, some researchers don't have internet access, uh, but some do. So some are able to uh, keep working over email or they meet with their collaborators in sort of, you know, neutral countries like China. So we know there is plenty of scientific talent in North Korea. Of course, we know that North Korea's ideology, uh, you know, exalts or appreciates science. So a lot of international researchers and, and South Korean researchers are looking to, you know, collaborate or implement their research in North Korea. What kinds of work might be helpful? Well, because of the environmental devastation in North Korea, there is actually a lot of a lot of interest from scientists doing work in environmental management or forestry management. And in fact, in the past, North Korea has invited experts from around the world to come to North Korea to talk about those topics. But those are very stage managed conferences. Those researchers report, and there's not a lot of room for you know real back and forth engagement or really trying to understand what is happening in North. North Korea. And then also, you know, because of the food security issues that exist in North Korea, there are a lot of researchers interested in trying to develop crop strains that may have higher yields or are more resistant to disease. Uh, Jin Soo Kim of, of Seoul National University and one of the world's leading researchers in gene editing uh, recently told me he'd like to use CRISPR technology to help develop gene edited crops for use in North Korea. And he said that because of the public fear surrounding GMOs and the bureaucratic red tape here and around the world, you know, it's really hard to do big field trials of gene-edited crops, but maybe North Korea would be more willing to take a chance. There's the argument that goes even further than this, though, that science ties could help to solidify ties generally. That's right. Uh, 
you know, th this argument says that science, kind of like art, and we've seen these, you know, cultural artistic exchanges, that science can also transcend politics, and that makes it more fertile ground for trying to establish ties. Uh, you know, for that reason, science diplomacy has been used in the past by lots of governments to ease tension. It's a big part of soft power for a lot of nations. And its proponents would argue that historically it has helped. Because uh, if you look back during the Cold War, you had uh, the U.S. and Soviet space programs working together, for example, to conduct the uh, docking in space between American and Soviet spacecraft. You know, maybe on a more relevant scale to us, we had East and West Germany uh, having a lot of academic a lot of academic exchanges in the years leading to their reunification. So. I and a lot of people would say, you know, if Kim Jong-un is really serious about normalizing his country, then one place to sort of pressure him or encourage him to do so is to start by taking the shackles off his scientists. And uh, let's also get on to that topic I teased at before, drones. Drones fascinate so many people and they seem to have so many applications mm. from delivering products to more sinister uses like military strikes. But what about another darker use? Could criminals be abusing drone technology? The FBI's been reporting gangs are using them to disrupt law enforcement activities. How so? That's right. So uh, this was basically, this was disclosed at a conference last week in Denver. Uh, the FBI said that last winter, a hostage rescue team was moving into an area to assess a potential hostage situation when they found themselves being assaulted by a swarm of drones. The FBI's head of operational technology, Joe Mazel, said that the drones made a series of high-speed low passes at the agents in the operation post to flush them out. And so this forced them from their positions and essentially left them blind as to what was unfolding. And it turns out that the criminals were also then using those drones for surveillance because they were streaming their video feeds over YouTube so that other members of the gang could monitor them over their phones. So this is obviously a very disturbing situation for any law enforcement agency. Uh, it's so sensitive to the FBI that right now they are not saying exactly when or even what city this occurred in, just that it was on the outskirts of a major U.S. city. So criminals we are seeing become increasingly creative. That's right. Other U.S. government officials at this conference noted that criminal networks around the world are using drones to evade border and customs patrols. Uh, for example, at the U.S.-Mexican border, uh, they say that drug cartels no longer send human scouts out to identify gaps in the border patrol coverage. Now they just send drones. And apparently in Australia as well, gangs are smuggling contraband into the country at ports, at harbors, using drones to monitor port authority workers. And for those who are less creative, less innovative, the FBI and others just reporting on these matters will perhaps feed ideas, just give ideas to people who um, might not have thought of already using drones. Yeah, perhaps, hence the sensitivity. <laughs> mm. And, uh, well, we've been talking recent weeks and months about the devastation facing coral reefs around the world due to global warming. But um, what about sunscreen? Why is that a major problem? Well, there are a number of studies in recent years that have actually found that sunscreens contain, uh, some sunscreens contain chemicals that are toxic to coral. Uh, one 2015 study found that oxybenzone and uh, octanoxate, which are commonly found in sunscreens, uh, as, as much as 14,000 tons 
of sunscreen winds up on coral reefs. And these chemicals, uh, they not only kill coral, I mean, they're not the only thing that kills coral, but they they really prevent coral from recovering. So people uh, lather on the sunscreen, as we're advised to do, while they're on the beach in Hawaii, and they go in the water, and and that's how it gets there. Exactly, exactly. Just just washing right off of, of people. Uh, so Hawaii state le- legislature actually passed a bill last week to ban the sale of sunscreens containing those chemicals. Now, Hawaii's governor has not yet indicated whether he will sign the bill because it faces uh, a lot of opposition, not surprisingly, from the sunscreen industry. Uh, industry groups there argue that more studies are needed. Uh, but if the bill is signed, it would come into effect in 2021. Well, hopefully, that, you know, there's a happy medium here because we don't want people to suddenly stop using sunscreen. That's right. And and there are, you know, uh, reef-friendly sunscreens. And in fact, many manufacturers are, are already producing them and selling them in Hawaii. Uh, if you've been there recently, you've probably seen reef-friendly sunscreens, you know, Sadly, advertised never in stores. Well, future opportunity for you. Okay. And when you go, you'll know not to use these kinds of sunscreens. Thank you for the advice. And uh, You're very wonderful, welcome. wonderful to have you here as ever. Mark Zastro with our science and technology this morning, maybe inspiring a few people to visit Hawaii.